Welcome to Unfiltered, a podcast series brought to you by Women Unlimited and We Are Outspoken, both Birmingham-based platforms for women in the creative and marketing industries. Today's episode is the first of our exclusive two-part grad series, where we talk to design grads, tutors and experienced industry women on what it means to be graduating in these uncertain times and tips on how to navigate the transition from grad to industry. My name's Emily and I'm here from We Are Outspoken and I am super excited to be joined here today with some fabulous guests who I will let introduce themselves. I'm Ali, I'm a design director at Accept and Proceed in London. Um, I graduated 11 years ago now and have spent some time at studios like Design Studio and Wolfolands and I actually joined um, Accept and Proceed three months ago during lockdown so I'm still very much a newbie. Hi, I'm Luke Tong. I'm a graphic designer currently in Birmingham. Um, I wear different hats, so I do a bit of teaching and I help with events and I have my own practice. I, uh, similar to Ali, I graduated in 2007. Um, so I've been around a little while, but still lots to learn. Happy to be here. Uh, hi, I'm Jodie. I'm a recent graduate from Manchester School of Art, where I studied illustration with animation and I'm also really happy to be here. Hello, I'm Claudia. I'm a recent graduate from Falmouth University. I did graphic design and I'm currently up in Lancashire, far away from everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, firstly, congratulations, Claudia and Jodie, on graduating. I bet it's been really weird graduating and not being able to be around all your fellow peers and everything. So, What's it been like for you guys? Um, towards the beginning, it was very, very overwhelming as graduating normally is. But we sort of felt we were going to sort of be forgotten about. Like the year, like 2020 is going to be the year that would be put in the dark. But I feel like as time's gone on and things have gone more normal um, and has everything's gone virtual and we've been opened up to a lot more opportunities. So for like competitions and sort of like virtual portfolio reviews and sort of remote internships as well that those have been opportunities that we can take yeah I completely agree it was de it definitely started as this kind of quite strange sort of alienating experience and the response from the creative industry has been really amazing for graduates and like you say loads of really great opportunities have cropped up but I guess now the opportunities are there for more remote working so it's opening up a lot more opportunities for you guys. How are you feeling about this? Is it comforting to know that there's a broader spectrum out there? Yeah, I think how a lot of them are like working from home. I think it's, I mean, there's different opinions in there, but personally, I think it's quite a good thing because it means you can do an internship in like London or somewhere where as usually you might not be able to, to do that. So I think that's a really good thing, yeah. I completely agree. It kind of gives you that experience. Say, for example, you never had London on your cards or even places like Bristol or Leeds or anywhere that you thought, oh, I don't want to really move there for a month or two months or however long. You kind of get that experience of a studio which you didn't really think about initially. Um, and I know a few people have got sort of like remote internships at studios in London and places, which is I think is really amazing. Luke, we were talking the other day, actually, weren't we, about how students are taking up more opportunities now in London? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's one of those things that we often talk about, like, you don't have to go to London, but actually, 
you know, there's so many amazing studios there that a lot of people really do want the London experience or, or they certainly want those names on their CVs um, and that experience in those studios, working on those kind of clients and brands that often those studios get. So, yeah, definitely seeing more of um, opportunities opening up to people that maybe didn't have that previously. Speaking of jobs as well, Ali, you've just started a new position during lockdown. How's that been for you? How's it been starting a job in a pandemic? I, I have. It's um, it's very surreal. And I, I also left a job during lockdown, which, again, was a very odd, odd way to, to end it. But I think in both cases, I've just been kind of a bit overwhelmed by the support of everyone that I work with. Um, in both leaving and joining. Um, I think everyone's just been thrown into this new way of working that no one really knew how to navigate or what the norms were. And I think we're all figuring it out as we go along. And it's very, very, yeah, it's very weird not knowing, not having met the people that you work with. But I can't say that I don't know them now because we've been working together for three months and I do feel like I am part of the team and I do know them all. And I think they did such a great job of helping ease me into the experience of um, of joining. Um, so I think actually a, a top tip for anybody that's having a new person join is um, just give people time to settle in and just listen in on lots of things that are happening. Because obviously when you're in a studio environment, there's lots, so much stuff going on and you just kind of learn the culture of the place. Um, whereas when you're all remote, it's kind of hard to get that. So um kind of just having a first week of meeting everybody and sitting in on meetings and calls and just observing the way people do things, the way they talk, the way they the way they present, everything like that is just a really helpful way to break someone into to a studio and to kind of understand the full picture of the place that you've joined. So that's been a big help. I would say, especially to anyone that might be worried about joining somewhere um remotely especially to do an internship or something like that as like don't don't let it put you off because you do still feel like you're part of the crew and you're still very much a part of the studio how would you guys Jodie and Claudia feel about starting remotely originally I would have seen it as more of a negative thing because I really sort of like value the whole being in person and being able to speak to people or just like go out for lunch together that and get to know them that way but then I've been thinking about it the past couple of days and over the week and I suppose you can still build those friendships because as Ali was saying like you're on a call with each other quite often but I think the one thing that had put me off is the thought of being like a nuisance and asking questions all the time like oh how would I do this thing which is a sort of a conversation you'd have if they're like sat, if someone sat next to you just sort of be like oh excuse me like how do I do this but then having to then send a message you feel like you're bombarding them or sort of breaking up their day I think that would be the only thing that I'd worry about I'm gonna just cut in and say whenever you have a question just ask it because trust me someone would want to help you rather than just know you've sat there for ages not being able to get on with something and that's something that would happen all the time in a studio everyone would just be keeping an eye on each other and being like oh did you know that it's an easier way of doing that if you did this this and this and obviously you can't get that when we can't see what each other's doing but communication is the absolute key for working remotely and I think don't ever think like you're being a nuisance to someone because they would much rather help you. What about you Jodie how are you feeling about potentially starting somewhere remotely? I quite like the idea of it to be honest I think it's more maybe somewhat easier for some people in that it's quite 
comfortable, like you're in your home, um, you know, and like you say, using things like Slack and other kind of digital ways of communicating. If you're doing that 24-7, I think you can really, really get to know people on a really personal level. So I quite like the thought of it. I think it seems quite enjoyable. So speaking about agency culture as well, something that we wanted to talk about was how aware you guys were about the dropper from female graduates in design to actually how many women end up working in the creative field. So we found a stat that said there's about 63% of design students that are women, but only 11% of those end up in creative departments. How are you guys feeling about that as recent female grads? Is that something that you were aware of? Uh, literally not at all. I, it's so shocking to hear stats like that when you're coming from a year group, which is honestly like predominantly female. Um, and in like illustration with animation, we had so few males on our in our year group. So it's quite shocking and quite it's quite an intimidating kind of stat, really. It's the same for graphics as well. Our course, I think I'd probably say was about 70, 30 female to male. And the thought of going into an industry and then not having that replicated is is really it's upsetting and frustrating as well. I think please don't let that stat freak you out because if anything, we don't want to put anyone off <laughs> from joining the industry because um, I think when you hear things like that, it, it can be quite off-putting. For me, I think it did take a while actually before I worked with another female designer. I think I was about four and a half years into my career before I full-time worked, worked with another female designer and it was such a um it did actually make such a big difference when it happened because I don't think I'd ever thought about it before I just went to work and got on with it and I never really realized that I hadn't had that and it was only when I was suddenly surrounded by these different women all all around me and just seeing how everyone approached everything differently it was so so refreshing to see that there's not one one way to be or you don't have to kind of adopt many of like the the behaviors uh, of the guys around you which can be a bit intimidating or it can make you doubt yourself sometimes because I think uh, a lot of this industry has had male leadership and um, most people's examples of a leader in this industry has been uh, has been men and their experience so when they're looking at the traits in leadership and things like that there's there's quite often certain characteristics that they try and tick off and maybe you don't adhere to the, that criteria and it can be quite frustrating at times. I think one of the main main tips I, I give to you guys coming into the industry is just find your own little support group, like find a group of people that will just always build you up because um, there will come times when things get frustrating. I mean, it's not every day, <laughs> but things things will challenge you. And, you're, and you'll also have days when you just doubt what you're doing as well, because we all do. And we all mess up and we all do things wrong. And it's like, oh, God, what am I doing? Um, I think that to me has been the most valuable thing, um, being a woman in design. I think that's why having support groups like the Middle School, Women Unlimited, there's Ladies Wine and Design, um, Birmingham Design and Arnie Platform, We're Outspoken, they're so important because you've got a support group of people that know exactly what you're going through and can help pick you up when you are having those doubts. 
No, I just wanted to say about um, sort of visiting speakers as well. Like being at uni and having sort of, especially senior role female designers come in and speak about their experiences and how they've grown from a graduate to then being the role they're, they're in. It's really inspiring and sort of gives you, as a female entering the industry, that courage to think, yeah, I can, I can do this. And it's not all male dominated or anything like that. So I think, especially when I was been on my placements last summer, I was never never really consciously thought about it it was kind of you kind of look at like the senior role and you think that the you know they're all majority are all male but you never you never really it never clicks into your brain thinking oh yeah these are all male it's sort of it's just sort of drilled into you to think this is the norm that it's just going to be like that but I hope that over time and as years go on and as our year then progresses it should change because I feel like we've kind of got these values that we want to have equality in the industry I think one one thing I also want to say about it is from the outside it can appear that it is just so male dominated just because I think a lot of the people at the top right now are are the men and that's generally who you get coming to speak at events and um, who you see doing interviews and things like that and it it can appear that it is just entirely male dominated but there is a whole world of everyone still working their way up and we are all here. And the more that people get their voice heard, the better. And that's why I think podcasts like this are amazing because you guys are using your voices and uh, getting yourselves heard. And I think every time that happens, it just highlights someone else in this mix. And that's so valuable. So I think anyone joining the industry, um, Obviously, find find your own way to do it because everyone's going to have their own way of feeling comfortable. But I'd say make sure someone outside of the room you work in knows that you work there. Like in any way, whether you go and go and try and volunteer back at your university to give a talk, or you you tweet about things, or you help. Just basically get yourself seen in some way that you're comfortable with. You don't have to go and do a giant talk. You don't have to go and do this. Just make connections and help everyone else out that's coming up behind you. Because I think the more that they realise that we're all here, the better uh, it will be for people's confidence. And um, hopefully the more people we can get over that gap from uni into industry. Do you think then looking at universities and helping people make that jump from university to industry do you think Luke that there is anything that we could do to help support women in particular you're already helping with uh, like Ali said with things like the podcast and there is so much more stuff now than there was maybe five ten years ago so I think definitely there's support networks you know there's the at every level there's the middle school um there's all of these different things that are out there for people um I think university lecturers have definitely a role to play in this, which is exposing students to female designers at all levels, and whether that's through people coming in and doing talks or just the examples that you talk about in lectures and things like we default to these old white men um, and hold them up as, you know, these are the archetypal designers, but there's so many other people that we could be talking about. So I think there's definitely a bit of an awakening uh, that needs to happen there. But um, yeah, I've just been kind of, reminiscing thinking back on my first job out of uni was a, a big studio and there was about 12 of us on the creative team and they were all men and I you know I didn't probably know that going into it but one thing I would suggest to grads is to ask when they are interviewing or if especially if you're doing it remotely 
is just talk about it with um, who you know the CD or whoever you're speaking to, and just ask about what the split is like, whether there are any women in the creative team, because I think then the people that you have um, as role models and mentors in your first jobs are really key to your development, and knowing that there are you know strong females in those positions is really valuable. So just don't be afraid to ask. We've touched on this a little bit already. We've mentioned it, but I feel like confidence is a massive thing when it comes to moving into the industry. And it's like you were saying earlier, Rally, about believing in what you're doing and believing that you're good enough to be there kind of thing. But there's also such negative perceptions about women being confident like it can be perceived as a negative thing whereas if you look at confidence in a man it's often it's well it's not seen as a negative thing I don't know if there's anything that you think about as graduates about being perceived in a certain way I wish that yeah when it comes to having like interviews and things and if you were to go in feeling confident as a female you're sort of perceived to be bossy or if you are opinionated or too opinionated and that's the thing like opinionated be seen in a, in a negative way when it's it shouldn't that shouldn't be an, a negative sort of trait to have but then as, as you said like if a male was to go in and sort of talk as if he knows what he's doing it's like seen as sort of is the right word desirable like that's the sort of sort of character you want in your studio I just don't understand how it can be two completely different things for the genders like it should if you're confident as a female and if you're confident as a male like it should be the same you should be allowed to feel confident in your abilities. I think it's something that sadly is so ingrained into us as women. We just don't have a lot of self-belief. And like we were saying earlier as well, it's important to have that support group and that network around you to help build you up. Do you think there's anything that we can do about confidence in university or like anything that we can do to help build up people's confidence? Definitely. Yeah. Um, I've been thinking a lot about this recently and I think university can be really good at the conceptual and the critical side of things so preparing people to be really strong in those areas but we don't really talk about character or confidence very much at university um, I think it's just kind of implied or it's hoped that people will kind of get good at confidence on their own somehow that it's just something that happens at some point um, and I, I've kind of realized that experience is the best generator of confidence that the more you you know as soon as you do something like record a podcast and you don't die at the end of it you think oh I can actually do this this is not the worst thing in the world and obviously it's scary but it's the same with a crit or with an interview or with a placement or you know all of those steps that you take as you're entering industry they are scary but each time you do it you have that little bit more confidence that you can do it again and you learn from it and grow and so I think the more you can practice that earlier is good like um, they talk about fail better fail often fail more like the, removing the idea of failure and as a negative and just like having a go at things. So having practice interviews, having practice portfolio crits and things um, while you're still at uni. So it's not kind of the be all and end all can hopefully give people the confidence that, you know, that they know that they can do it. And I know some unis do do that stuff um, and there are opportunities to do those things outside of uni too, but it's definitely something that I'm passionate that we do more of, um, especially as people are about to hit industry that, they're the skills really that are probably as important, if not more important than a really polished portfolio, because you can self-sabotage very easily by not having the self-belief that you you deserve a role or a job um, and not come across as well as you could, which is a real shame because, you know, we need people that are 
we need more women entering industry. That 11% is ridiculous that that's down from 63% or whatever it is, those stats. So, um, yeah, I think there is a bit of a, a crisis of confidence and education has a lot has a role to play. I was very much on the shy, quiet end of the spectrum coming out of uni and I was terrified and literally every single visiting lecturer that turned up, I was just like, please have a look at my portfolio and tell me if it's good enough to go on the internet. They were just like, okay, fine. (laughs) But I needed that validation of the fact that it was good enough. And I look back at that now and I'm just like, oh, why did I need that? But I think sometimes you do need that push just to realise that you, the standard that you're working at is kind of equal to that of what everyone else is doing around you and entering the industry and that you feel like you actually can belong in that world. And having someone from the outside come in and tell you that is really really useful and then I've just found that over time working in different places and people valuing different skills so I've worked at studios where people really value the skill of being able to speak publicly very well and um, they they put training and and so much resource into helping you learn those things and I think that is a huge help because you just constantly put in situations where you need to use those skills and so eventually things like public speaking just become second nature because you do it so often that you don't you don't think about it anymore I wouldn't say like if you are naturally quite shy and quiet don't think that you're under this huge pressure straight away to just walk in and be the most confident person on earth because it's it's not going to happen and it will it will progress over time and you'll get more and more confident in what you're doing and you'll start thinking less about how to do something and more just about what you're doing. And then it will just come naturally over time. I just add to that, Ali, I think that's brilliant advice, um, is that we have this idea that confidence is like loudness and gregariousness. And actually, you can be quietly confident. Um, there's a, there's no shame in that. Like it, It's a really great thing if your self-belief, I guess, is the important thing rather than maybe we see confidence as this kind of loud male trait and actually just knowing your worth and knowing your value and knowing that you're good enough is really important. How is it for you guys then, Jodie, do you feel like you've got a strong support network coming out of uni? Yeah, I think joining the BFF scheme that Luke, like, <laughs> that Luke, uh, like, set up everything really gave me so much more. I think I would be really lost without things like that because obviously it's such a jump going from, you know, you're in your studio with all your friends all the time and it's it's loads of fun. Um, and then you come coming home during this t- weird kind of time period. It's really helped given me a lot of practical and also just kind of other kind of support that I didn't th- don't think I would have if it wasn't for that. I think mentorship is such an important thing at the minute though and I think having those role models and those people there that are a bit more will have more experience than you to help reassure you that what you're doing is okay and things like you've set up at the minute Claudia your slack channel for graduates I think that's also amazing if you want to share a bit more about that. Yeah I just I sort of realised going through this weird time I was speaking to more people from different universities like because I got more a bit more active on social media and obviously that was the main platform to talk to people and I just really wanted to make that sort of more accessible to other people and sort of get people also talking to different students and different graduates from around the country and it's just a matter of having that support network so 
as Ali was saying, like be, being able to share your portfolio or if you've got like a project idea that normally you'd speak to a tutor about or you'd be in the studio talking to your friends, which that isn't possible at the minute. So just putting it on there and being to get like advice or any sort of collaboration and things. I just think it was a good time to sort of try and get as many people together as possible because we're all going through this weird stage and I think we just all needed a big sort of virtual community to keep us going. Yeah I'm still amazed that there are students who don't make the most of social media. I know it's a bit of a nasty place at times for self-worth but I think when you tackle it well um, there's nothing else like it like certainly when Ali and I were hitting industry you couldn't just talk to your favorite designers or studios on a like social level you had to maybe you could email them but you couldn't interact with them on a day-to-day basis you couldn't kind of follow their lives and insert yourself into their conversations and the industry is so open and it's so those opportunities are there to connect with people and to network and to you know make new friends and find mentors and all of those things that we need so i just really encourage people if you know if you are a user of social media just to engage yourself with the design industry and find people find the role models that you want to learn from and that you want to engage with um, because they're out there and it's such a an open and friendly community that it's kind of there for the taking even though these past few months have been awful like honestly i think i've had like the most exciting and fun time especially in like the design community without the social media or being just simply on twitter or linkedin or instagram or anything i wouldn't have met any of you guys um so it's just like little connections and as Luke was saying sort of if there's a designer you really admire just dropping them a little message or just replying to an in a, on a comment on Instagram saying oh this is really lovely work like just a simple comment you don't know how far that could lead it could lead into mentorship or I don't know just having a general chat or a possible placement anything I just think it's such a simple thing that people should get on board with I think uh, definitely a good example is the fact that, as you said, Claudia, about finding other people you could just throw ideas around with. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's how I started talking to you and Luke. I had an idea for something and I was like, I need someone I can talk to about this who who could actually fill me in a bit more about the student experience right now. And I just randomly messaged you both and then it all worked out fine. (laughs) And then we had a lovely phone call. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And now we're doing a podcast. So like, you never know what these things will lead to and it's 100% worth if you if you see anybody and they're doing something relevant to something that you you want to do just drop them a message because you never know. I think it's way easier to drop someone a message on social media as well than it is to send an email I feel like emails can be a bit a bit clunky and a bit formal sometimes so it's a nicer way I think to break down those barriers and bring everyone a bit more onto the same level. I think on that note um there are different uses for different channels and so I wouldn't go and apply for a job in someone's dms so send send them an email if you're actually applying for a job but if you're asking a quick question or you just want to say hello then do that on social media but kind of keep that professional respect for things like applying for jobs and things like that because um yeah it can come across in the wrong way sometimes if you use the wrong the wrong channel for the wrong thing that's a really great point Ali and I think it it shows that social media is there for one thing which is the social side of things not the kind of professional side of things so much but you're much more likely to remember someone if you've already engaged with them on social so like building rapport and friendship with anyone not necessarily strategically but 
it's just a great thing to do with people in the industry. And then when you do get in touch, that they are much more likely to remember you favorably if they've had some interactions with you. I think now there's kind of no excuse for just for not knowing about a studio or the people that work there because it is so open on all the different social media. You can usually find people and do your research. I was just going to say that things I've learned is it's such a I know that designers always say, oh, the design world is such a small world. But you kind of, when you're in uni, you think, surely it's not. Surely it's a really big world out there. But it <laughs> actually is. So you you sort of see people, everyone mentions each other. And it's that's, and I think having social media and being on social media, you kind of see these links everywhere. And yeah, it just makes you feel very involved in the community. I think we're really lucky in that way as well that we have such a nice design community like I can't think of any other jobs out there that have what we have with each other. I just wanted to touch on as well I know we've steered a bit away from confidence but applying for jobs I feel like confidence is a massive thing when it comes to this and we can quite easily talk ourselves out of applying for something so I don't know if you have any tips for grads or anybody applying for jobs at the minute about how to combat this. The main ultimate tip is just apply. (laughs) Otherwise, you give yourself absolutely zero chance of getting the job. So why don't give yourself maybe a little bit of a chance of getting the job? Because otherwise, you've only got yourself to blame, right? You're not going to give yourself the opportunity to go and get your dream job. Then, yeah, and I mean, I'm guilty of it. I've done it before. And it's it's a horrible feeling when something passes you by or or actually when when things do work out another way and it's like oh yeah I really should have just applied for that and I think maybe when you're thinking of who you're applying to there's kind of like the dream studios right like the ones you've always dreamt of working at and the thing is quite a few of them might be quite small they might not often be hiring and you don't know what's going on So, and also right now, there's a lot of people applying for jobs. So you can look at the probability, right, of getting that job might be slightly less than somewhere else. So I think whenever you're sending out applications, send out some to some places with some different probabilities. So send out some of the dream ones, then try and discover some other studios you maybe hadn't heard of before, but are still doing the work you're really interested in doing, because there's so many great studios out there that maybe don't shout about themselves as much or aren't getting featured in blogs all of the time but they're still doing incredible work and if you know the type of work you want to be doing you can search out these people and you can find those studios and then you can apply there maybe there'll be a couple of thousand less people applying for that studio so then again your probability goes up even more and I think just giving yourselves all these different chances is going to pay off massively. Yeah absolutely I'd add to that as well that if you're messaging a studio and maybe they can't accommodate you, they may well know who could and they will, you know, we've been talking about how interconnected everything is. Usually, I've certainly done this lots of times, if we're not hiring and someone's been in touch, I've always sent that on to someone else who I know is or that I think they would be a good fit for. So you certainly kind of improve your chances. There's more than just the chance of getting the job that you're applying for. There's other things that you're kind of putting yourself in in the way of, which is, is really useful. Um, and, you know, it's an opportunity to learn. You get feedback, hopefully, if you if you don't get that job that you go for. Um, so there is, obviously there's the confident aspect, confidence aspect that you don't want to get too many knockbacks, but you won't get any jobs if you don't apply for them, like Ali said. So you really do have to be in it to win it. And I would also say don't let job descriptions put you off because 
I don't think anyone ever ticks off every single box in a job description because literally someone is writing their dream description of a person, of this person that's going to come in their studio and solve all of their problems, exactly what they need at that moment. And to be honest, there's quite a lot of times where you, where they'll be asking for things and it's just like, I don't think it's possible for anyone to do all of those things. <laughs> so don't, don't think less of yourself because you're not ticking off every box, just apply for it anyway. And I think... Yeah, what Luke was saying about just the opportunity to go meet people like it might not happen there and then but it might happen in the future the perfect example of that is with me and exception proceed I first met them in 2013 and now I just got a job with them now but because we'd met all those years ago I wasn't starting fresh yeah don't wait for a job opportunity or a job um, position to be advertised just get in touch with agencies and designers that you love or that you you like their work both the jobs that I had in industry didn't come from an like a job opportunity there wasn't a job going I just got in touch and they saw me and they wanted me enough to hire me so you can you can find a way in sometimes when there isn't an obvious opening you just have to um, be a bit proactive. I read an article recently actually that Luke shared from It's Nice That which was all about how to support junior creatives and it was it was James Hurst that said it, who's the Global Creative Director at Pinterest, and it said it's important to help people remember that they can grow in anything that they feel like they can. And I think that's such an important thing that we need to remember, and it's that we might not be perfect and we might not be polished right now, but we're all learning and we're learning every day, and that if if you want to do something, you 100% can, can do that. Yeah, certainly when I used to be hiring, we were never really looking for really superb craft skills I mean it's a nice to have it's a bonus if a designer is really good at that side of things but all we really cared about was confidence and enthusiasm and people's character it was less about how great the work was and it was more about how hungry they were and I think that's the that's why it's so important to try and work on those side of things maybe the softer skill side of things than just your portfolio because you want to hire people that you want to be around and you can you can teach um technical skills but it's much harder to teach those other things so I think that's where why this conversation is so important about those things because that's what really makes the difference I think when you go for interviews. I have I guess one more thing that I want to say to everybody because um, right now is probably the first well for many people it's the first time in your lives where your life isn't timetabled there's no start or end of term anymore and it's just up to you and just to remember that your time is yours your portfolio is yours it doesn't belong to your university it's yours you can pick it up you can change it you can do whatever you want with it and that your career is yours and it's totally up to you now to go down any path that you want to explore and just to realize that right now that it, there is a lot going on and it can feel like there's a huge amount of pressure to to take up everything that is thrown at you in terms of watch every single talk that's happening, listen to every single podcast, make sure you're applying to every single message. Like, and it it will get exhausting if you do absolutely everything and you can't. And to realize that this is probably the last time, unless you go freelance, you, you have the opportunity to have time off in quite a big chunk and to just give yourself a bit of a rest because You've all just gone through something huge, which is not just graduating from university and finishing off your degree, but going through it in a pandemic. And there is so much that's been thrown at you. You need to give yourself a little bit of a break 
before jumping straight into everything else and so yes keep keep things ticking along keep keep watching things keep doing things keep applying for things but give yourself some time off because it's kind of up to you now you're in control and um I think I think everyone needs a bit of a rest from time to time otherwise you're going to be joining the industry already burnt out and no one needs that hope you've enjoyed this episode we'd like to thank all our guests for their valuable time and leave you with a summary of five tips that resonated with us so tip one find your own support group people who will build you up tip two get your voice heard get yourself seen and make connections tip three remove the idea of failure and have a go at things tip four Don't be afraid to apply for a job. Keep your chances open. You never know when they might need you. And lastly, remember that your time is yours, your portfolio is yours, and your career is yours. It's totally up to you to go down any path you want to. We'd love to hear from you, so do get in touch with us on our social channels. You can find us on Twitter at Women Unlimited, that is at Women UNLTD, and at we are outspoken that is at we are underscore outspoken thank you and stay well everyone